Dolphin Milk, and we're recording. Welcome to Fake Radio, the best radio since Jimmy and Gary got put away. Brought to you by the Ancient Pipes. They're calling. Will you listen? Will you listen? Will you listen? Will you listen? Fake Radio LLC is a subsidiary of PBS News and CNBC. Additional thanks to Buster Keaton, Kenny the Boy Anger, Whoopi Goldberg, and Gene DiNapoli for sponsoring today's podcast. Kenneth Anger, especially big shout out to Kenneth Anger. Big shout out to Kenneth Anger. All right. That was my read. Thank you. Yeah, all the sponsors. That's where the money's coming from. We're doing this in the interest of transparency. We have an Elvis impersonation contest with Gene DiNapoli coming up. And just to, you know, like advertise all these great things that are going on, these great businesses and people that we support. Yeah. The uh, ancient pipes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. those. Yeah. Anyways, uh, welcome to Fake Radio. Welcome back. It's just Riley and I today, and uh, we might have some chimes in from the Caroline Gallery. Yeah, because basically this is uh, this is going to be a very therapeutic episode, as I understand it. Yeah, I I had this idea. I've had this actually. It's it's been brewing for a while, honestly. But I wanted to have I wanted to have an episode where we just attacked not attacked but really grilled riley like he was a, a piece of calamari or something you know what i mean yeah yeah I'm, I'm i'm very open to that it's like danny devito being like wait is this a roast he's like i love roast <laughs> yeah yeah i'm, I'm, I'm gonna no, it's gonna be like the episode where you go to therapy and then you start talking about how you kissed a girl with no lips <laughs> and how she put a bag on her head and her mouth died. was still very <laughs> much mouth, in play though her mouth was still very much in play <laughs> Um. All right. Well, let's get into it, man. I mean, we'll, all right. Well, let's further get into ado. it. I guess, uh, Riley, what's a what's a movie you've watched lately that you liked? Dude, I recently watched the Rules of the Game. What's the What's the Rules of the Game? It's a country house farce. A country house farce. What is a country house farce? Well, it's a bunch of rich people go to one guy's country house, and then you know they're all in the country house, and then just like things start getting really crazy and chaotic. They're all going down there to hunt rabbits and pheasants. Oh, okay. Yeah. That sounds pretty good, dude. It is. I'm trying to get everyone to watch it. That actually sounds pretty good. But okay, all right. I want let's take a, let's take a look at <laughs> something you did there because I asked you about the movie and you said it's a country house farce. Where'd you come up with that term? That's what I saw, like, the movie described as. It's, like, in this classic country house farce by Jean Renoir. Okay. Is that is that how you come up with descriptions for other things? Maybe. Do you come up with descriptions based off of, like, you read it online, or do you or do you, you stew on it? Uh, case by case. Sometimes I stew on it. I mean, like, some of the stuff I'm into these days, I feel like I have to come up with, like, terms for it, because, like, the only stuff I've seen is really pretentious. Mm-hmm. but you know country house farce does pretty well describe the movie yeah so i i felt like that the, that description does the movie justice so okay and so okay so we've been having movie nights where we watch like pretend like not pretentious movies we watch we watch longer movies that you know the average person marvel movie watcher might not watch yeah I don't know what the average person... Wait, can we digress for a second? Yes. I don't know what the average person does or likes. Any- I feel like that's like one of the yeah. things that we don't have anymore. The average person? It's like, I mean, like, like uh, you know, we started to like study demographics and like sociology became this like like lens through which we viewed everything throughout the 20th century. And it got to the point where we we're... It gets, it gets to the point where we're at now where we produce so much data constantly on everybody that it's like impossible to like sift through it all and like... It's like we produce like a a beach of data for every person 
and it's like like how do you identify like the important bits anymore you know what i mean i one time downloaded all of the data that spotify had on me and like it was like riley is interested in a new kia sorrento <laughs> you know like how did you like, do that i want to do that i'll show you after okay. the pod yeah anyone can do that yeah I, well like most big websites with like those big like uh terms of term like you know user terms and like agreement license or whatever like it like there's new laws stipulate that they have to give you your data if you ask for it okay i want to do that i want to see what kind of car i'm supposed to buy okay anyways i see maybe this is maybe i'm just trying to get away from the grilling though no 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 the grilling is sort of it's it's sort of uh i'm just kind of riffing i'm trying to figure out where i'm supposed to be going right now um with it but there's there's like there's somewhere i want to end up but i don't know where i want to start yet okay you know what i mean okay okay so like how many how many movies do you think you've watched in the last like three or four weeks that that let's say like let's say like uh like like my dad or my or how about actually i think my brother's a good example like how many movies have you seen the last like two to three weeks you think my brother would watch would watch uh let me think of what i've watched um because my brother i think my brother has a really great uh attitude because riley and caroline met my brother recently i like him and he's and he's got this really funny he like reads really strange books like he's he was reading the plague by albert camus (laughs) really and i was like what the what the fuck are you reading and he's like oh i don't know i just saw it i thought it was pretty cool looking the cover was cool and i was like yeah i guess so and he's like i'm not going to read a book that's longer than 300 pages yeah i don't get that i i think it's i think it's like interesting because it's like i don't want to watch a movie that's longer than like two hours you don't or two and a half hours no 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 no. that's not what i'm saying but like 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 him like i feel like that's a pretty common attitude it's like most people probably don't want to read a book that's like 500 600 700 pages long you know what i mean yeah like that's like dense and challenging yeah right i know most people don't want to watch a movie that's really still shots like or Satan Tango or like an Ozu movie where it's like, you know, two and a half hours of like slow roll wide angle shots. I was going to say that I bet that Parker would like, I'll be about his name. I bet I, I was going to say, I bet your his brother would, Parker. It's fine. It's okay. okay. I bet he would like the Ozu movie I watched recently because everyone would like it. I'm not joking. Everyone would like it, but would they like it? Riley? Yes. See, I have support. I I see. think that I feel like I feel like there's I feel like there's a level of of cahootery in this household, though. Not a, Caroline is against me, if anything. That's okay. 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 <laughs> if anything is against me. <laughs> okay, so floating weeds. Would you recommend to the average movie enjoyer? Yeah. I okay. Really would. Okay. I think there's plenty there for anyone to enjoy, if only just to like sort of like. I don't know how to describe it, but it's just so beautiful. I'm trying to think what else I watched that like, uh, but how do you engage with it? Like emotionally, how do you engage with, with movies? How do I engage with like, how do you, do you, do you, do you you engage with like the aesthetic of it? Do you engage with the dialogue? Like specifically is like, what keeps you coming back to a movie to make you want to watch it again? I mean, I definitely am of the school that like, everything in a work of art is downstream from style. I think that like style is content like the, the like the aesthetic is the first thing, you know, like, okay, like what's the quote? Uh, it's not what you're talking about. It's how you're talking about it. You know, mm-hmm. that's the real content. Yeah. And so I think that to like I often tend to engage with stuff on a 
I don't know if I'd call it like cold, but like definitely like just sort of like trying to make aesthetic judgments. Although, I mean, like I'm not like someone who's like, it's difficult to get emotionally involved in something. I nearly cried at Ratatouille. That's a good movie. That is a good movie. And (laughs) at the end, I mean, it's like Pixar is like ridiculously good at like they like I swear like they like found some like button that they know how to press in your brain to like make you want to cry. Yeah, I agree for up beginning yeah, of up. No, it's like they, they get the first five minutes of up are rough. Like when they want to press the button, like they're just going to make you cry. Yeah, you know, that's true. Um, But no, yeah. Um, What to say? What to say? I mean, I guess the guys I like more than anyone else these days are the guys who I feel like are like the total package. You know, there's plenty of filmmakers where they have interesting things they want to talk about, but they don't know how to communicate them too well. I think that sometimes Paul Schrader is like that. I mean, you just yeah. watched and didn't like Raging Bull. Yeah, I don't. Like, I, I'm sure that Paul Schrader like is the kind of person that would never run out of interesting interesting things to say, but he doesn't always know how to communicate them. Mm-hmm. And then there are artists who are like all style. You know, you take someone like Quentin Tarantino, where it's like great case study. Uh, compare and contrast uh, Inglorious Bastards with Django Unchained. Yeah. And Glorious Bastards works because Tarantino is all style and he knowingly smartly avoids the real shit of World War II. It's like he's not going to try to depict the Holocaust. Right. Because he he couldn't. He's too like glib and like flippant towards his subjects to be able to do that subject justice. Mm-hmm. And I think Django fails when he tries to depict slavery because he's just not sensitive enough to do it because he's only attuned to like the style of what something should be. He doesn't yeah. take things seriously. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the guys I like these days, though, are the one I like. I mean, I think that like, you know, we're so lucky to have a few artists in any given generation who like really can do the whole package. I mean, for instance, like modern day, we have like the Coen brothers. Uh, we used to have, I don't really think he's that great anymore. Paul Thomas Anderson guys who could like effortlessly weave style and content together in a way that was like completely involving and completely got you wrapped up in the film. Orson Welles does this with F for fake. Uh, you know, it's like, yeah, he does. Or with Kane, uh, John Houston. I recently watched the Maltese Falcon. That movie like gets you the fuck involved. Do you know what I mean? But and it's not just an exercise in style. There's like things. He's like really saying interesting things. You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, but, like, I guess that's to, to the extent that I'm like pretentious now. It's that like, I really do tend to, like, like I'll write off something that I don't feel like is like the whole package, you know? Okay. Okay, I also want to... Okay, I I feel like I'm going to be a dick this episode, but I also want to call you on something that just happened right now, which is when you're talking about something and you're giving, like, an explanation, you involve, like, this other thing that I feel like maybe subconsciously or consciously the other person might not know about. Like, you think the other person might not know. I don't know. You if think the, I'm trying to big man you? I think that sometimes you big man a little bit with Damn. like with some art because the Maltese Falcon thing. I don't know what the fuck that is. That's I don't know who the person you just named is John. Okay. John Houston. Have you ever seen Chinatown? No. Um, John Houston directed a bunch of Westerns. He was like a classic like studio system director. Maltese Falcon is basically the first film noir. Okay. Humphrey Bogart's like this crooked detective and then he gets wrapped up in this scheme. That's all centers around the statue of a Falcon from Malta. Okay. No, I don't do this. Isn't like my favorite thing. I don't know. Okay, so bad. Caroline. Okay, okay, yeah, right. That's what Caroline right. said. I feel like a dick, but I feel like Riley deserves a good grilling every now and then. Dude, I am <laughs> not just trying to big man everybody and say that because something isn't like my favorite no, thing. Because you bad. don't, you don't do it in a in a dick way, right? But like, but like, I feel like sometimes when you're having a conversation with somebody, you're like, yeah, like blah blah blah, 
And then it's like, damn, I don't know what any of the fucking means at all, but I'm not going to ask him about it because I don't want to lose clout. Dude, wait, I'm a, I'm a name dropper. I feel like you are kind of a name dropper a little bit. Damn. Not, not even a bad way. Look, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to have this conversation. Just trying to get to the bottom of it. Trying to get to the bottom of it. Like, where does it, where does it come from? And I think it, I think it stems from like your attachment to art and things you consume. I'm very, I think that art is like the, like the, the, I'm very, very attached to art. And yeah, I I agree. Level I am. No, Um, I could definitely, I could definitely tell. I could definitely tell that you are. I feel like that's the way that it, it, it comes out though. Sometimes it's like, it's like, is it, are, are you attached to, are you attached to art in the way that like I'm attached to art or, or Caroline's attached to art or is it, is it like, it's like this, it feels like this new way. You know what I mean? Like this way that I haven't encountered before. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I'm... You know what I mean? Caroline agrees with me. I don't know. Because it's, like, it's like, can it talk, you know. talk to somebody about an album and they're like, oh man, like this is fucking crazy. Like it's, it's, it changed my life. I listened to this nonstop for a year and like I cried to it over and over again. And it's like that, per- that artist saved my life, whatever, which is kind of a lame example. Like I just saw like that ad for the fucking kid Cuddy show or whatever. Like, <laughs> kid Cuddy saved my life or whatever. I feel bad for guys that kid Cuddy saved their life. Yeah. I, I, I they're living for kid Cuddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like the memes about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I'll say, Okay, here's here's some real shit, man. Is that I do feel like I reached a certain point in my life, like at some point, where I just got into like too much shit, and it is like kind of impossible for things to really like hit me in the gut like that too often anymore. Mm. You know, it's like I totally was. I was. I don't relate to anything. uh, Do you want to? You got to get a mic. Yeah. Okay. Caroline's saying that Riley doesn't relate to anything. I'm a man without qualities. No, <laughs> you have qualities. I, just have very strange emotional reactions. I don't know. I don't it's, know. It's, it's just, it's a lot different than other, than the way I talk about movies and, and books and stuff with you is super different to how I talk about it with, with other people. Really? Yeah. Like very different. And not even in a bad. I'm not even trying to like make you feel bad. I, I hope I, it doesn't come off like that. No. I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but it's just like I want to understand it. I want to. I want to get it. Well, no. What I was saying before is that like I definitely like was the kind of person that like art could like just like hit me in the fucking stomach and like knock me over. Yeah. You know, at some point <laughs> in my life, and um, you know, it was. I like, was really crying, by the way. Yeah, I'm sobbing right now. <laughs> uh, that was like it was like um. Honestly, it's probably the kind of stuff that like I bet a lot of people that our age within our sort of like demography can relate to having really gotten into. Yeah, I remember really getting into Animal Collective and Elliot yeah. Smith and Death Grips mm-hmm. and Radiohead yeah. or whatever. Um, and like really, really feeling really passionately and intensely about it and like tunnel visioning in and feeling a really intense art- artistic emotional association with them. Yeah. Um, but like I... I I reached a point where yeah, it was just like like this like sort of like constant consumption thing that kind of numbs you at some point. So is that so is that what it is? Is it like because it's like, you know, you talk to people who really love reading or writing, and it's like you will never read all the books that are on Earth, or you will never you will never like 
fully understand one single thing in terms of like books oh yeah yeah, I mean? yeah 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 i totally i well, or or music you know there's like infinite amounts of music that is constantly being made and not all of it's good right but you're never going to listen to every great artist well i bet like 90 percent not okay 90 is a, an extreme number i bet like a solid 60 to 70 percent of like the totality of like art that exists is like completely not worth anybody's time but that's Com- but, not worth the designation of art you know okay but okay but okay there's a lot of stuff that i feel like you haven't listened to that you would like no you're, you're probably right i was I, I have something else to say is that the, the other thing was was that i mean like i i wouldn't say that i'm like constantly just like chasing like a high anymore i'm not just like chasing like the feeling of like when you discovered someone it's more um around what are you, the, what are you chasing i mean i'm just chasing real shit dude i'm just chasing that like just shit that feels real and feels like intense and feels i mean there's there's this I guess in the art that I love these days, what I'm looking for is this like balance between like pathos, like an expression of humanity and, um, you know, beauty, which I think is not like, I, I think a lot of people conflate just exposing their humanity with beauty in some yeah, way. I agree. It's like, you think about like, I mean, things as like, as, uh, far ranging as like, you know, sad girl indie or like auto fiction or something. It's yeah. like all of these trends. It really is just like, I mean, Frankly, I think the the weak point in those aesthetics is that they, they they aren't aesthetics and there aren't aesthetic considerations there. It's just like personal revelation after personal mm-hmm. revelation. I think that you need to strike a balance between like if not revealing something about yourself, at least accessing something about yourself and deciding how you want to sort of like transmute it, you know, turn shit into gold or something yeah. and also imposing some sort of aesthetic that you believe is better than other aesthetics. You're like making a judgment call, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the, like the like it's so um like modern aesthetics so perfectly mirror like the social media like the the attitudes engendered by social media of like the endless endless scroll like never filter anything you know just see everything consume everything and i mean maybe i participate that in that to some extent just because i'm like a very voracious consumer of like art and media or whatever but yeah like the the art that i really really like it's stuff where the humanity is blended with like a a finely tuned aesthetic sensibility you know and i also Mm -hmm. i think that there should be elements of provocation i think you should be trying to provoke the audience i think that that's a very lost art right now okay and i also think you should be honest about what you are still confused about like there should be an element of uncertainty or like will this work will this hold together yeah it's like this is why this is why jazz is still the greatest american artistic accomplishment mm-hmm. is because it, that's what blends all those things you think yeah. about the career of john coltrane you know right you like everything i was just talking about that's all right there in coltrane's music and that's why that that's why i'm like flippant towards a lot of other artists is because mm. you know like no there are I, artists that are whole packages you know i don't i don't blame you for being flippant towards artists but i also like i feel like there are artists that uh like the the follow-up is it just it doesn't it's not there for you what do you mean? And I feel like there's so many artists that that well, like okay, so for example, like uh, Cluster, dude. I was trying to show you Cluster. Yeah. And and I did kind of like Cluster. Yeah, but or or so for example, too, would be like the, the big one that I was thinking about today was Scott Walker. Yeah. Which was like, per it blends well with the movie conversation for me because for me a good movie is like engaging 
it's like there's good well i don't know there's something there's something engaging about it right whether it's a shot or it's dialogue or a story or an there's a hook aesthetic yeah. there's some sort of hook on it to and i do think that it is an, it's it's an art that is maybe it's it's for some reason it's frowned upon now but to to make something that is like consumable and still approachable by by you know like a, a large maybe people somebody would listen to it somebody would like chance upon it and maybe not like it but but listen to it still or watch yeah, a movie yeah. right it's like a movie that completely gives itself to like this esoteric uh inaccessible like art house janice yeah you know like vibe like um i don't i just don't like those as much i do think i, I okay my qualification on that kind of art i definitely observe the distinction you're making between stuff that is like purely i guess in a term like for the gallery or something yeah well this is like this is like it, it's like a spectrum right because there's one and there's marvel movies which is like this is for everybody this is literally made everything was plotted out by a marketing team run through some weird board of like old people and then there was yeah. a diversity board and then this and that and this so that people are specifically represented in this way and 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 this way except for that new thor thing <laughs> but like the um marvel movies uh just to add something they storyboard the fight scenes for marvel movies before they're attached to a movie yeah exactly it's so like everything everything point. is is meticulously planned out to specifically appeal to such a massive audience that to me most of the time the, the it the like wonder and it sort of disappears the only thing that's left is look we paid this insane cgi studio like 300 million dollars to make this crazy fucking fight scene oh yeah across the spectrum most most um like art really meant for a mass audience and that is even like being distributed widely or like an effort is being made somehow to put it in front of a lot of faces. The only nice thing you can say about it is that it looks or sounds expensive. Yeah, exactly. That's so, my critique of Marvel. That's my critique of like most of what could be called going back to early days of the pod, like indie. It just sounds expensive. Yeah, know? that's true. A lot, yeah. I mean, a lot of it does, but, um, and then there's, okay. And the other end, there's like hard to be a God. And I think, and I will say I loved Holy Mountain. That's like actually one of the one of my favorite movies that you've. That that's you've a shown, whole package you've shown me. Work of art. That's a whole, and that's what I mean. It's like it is the whole package for me, which was like it's engaging, but it's still it's engaging. It's accessible, but it's also not completely accessible. And like there was clearly a lot of thought and like effort put into this thing on like a. I guess on more than just a aesthetic level, like with a Marvel movie yeah. and like a money level and not just to beat on a dead horse, but it's exactly like I said about Coltrane where you get a sense of the artist's humanity. You get a sense of their theory of aesthetics. There is provocation. Like the viewer is involved in the movie by virtue of the fact that they are being like provoked by what they're seeing. And there is an also an admission that this might not be this still might not be the best way to do things, right? You know. So, but but then, like, what would you say? Like your favorite? I haven't listened to all of John. Like, there's so much in his in his. The, the well, the, the whatever, jazz right? guys, so, yeah, that's way too much. I've only listened to like a Love Supreme and Giant Steps and some other stuff. Love Supreme, I actually I don't rate that high. Personally. So okay, so and that's the th so. What would you rate high? Um, I really, really love uh, a couple records off the top of my head. I'll and like 
the, the one like, I, where would you rank it in terms of where his sound went because i know he did some really weird noise yeah, yeah, yeah. Jazz, um, free jazz, strange shit. The record that I was showing you with, um, were you? No, 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 no. Um, my probably my number one of his is called Africa Brass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's three songs. Uh, the first okay. song is all of side A, and then the second two songs are all of side B. It's all in F minor. It's forty minutes in F minor, is what Terry what's Riley the, said. About it. What's the Terry Riley said that? Yeah. Okay. What's the what's the like uh, vibe of it? compared um, to something like love supreme i would say it's pretty firmly in the middle period right there with love supreme so where it's he, not that abrasive no no okay. no, no, no well it, it is a little abrasive uh basically i mean like he started out as like you know just a hired gun like everybody else you know like you know like he had like his early stuff is is good and it's pleasant and it's easy to listen to but you know something being pretty almost isn't even a compliment when you get to really like avant-garde artists you know it's like think about it isn't it. a compliment yeah no like it like if the nicest thing you can say about like a classical piece is just that it sounds pretty not that yeah. it's like there's something intense about it you know yeah. it's, then it's just uh and and coltrane i think his early stuff is kind of just pretty whereas that love like between uh giant steps and love supreme he was doing this thing where he was definitely pushing the limits of like technical exploration and like almost like proto like mathy shit, obviously what people associate giant steps with. Um, and like that sort of like new emergent spiritual angle that he basically like teed off in the world of jazz and like opened the door for Pharaoh Sanders, Alice Coltrane, anyone else you want to talk about. Uh, Africa brass is in that period. Uh, I okay. want to say it's, it came out either right before or right after a love Supreme. Uh, but it, it has a much more like clean in the room sort of sound to it than love Supreme. Cause love Supreme was recorded by Rudy van Gelder who like kind of, I mean, you know, some jazz sounds lo fi a little bit like there's like the, the bass isn't that deep and the drums sound like a little grainy the way film looks grainy and the piano is yeah. like a little, that's the, that's basically Rudy van Gelder who like recorded okay. just hundreds and hundreds of jazz records. Uh, and some guys really didn't like him. Uh, John Coltrane only recorded that one record with him and Charles Mingus never worked with him because Charles Mingus hated that sound and wanted like a clean studio sound. And uh, Africa's definitely a bit like that. It's got that really like big, wide, big band orchestral sound to it. But it's like he's mostly riffing on like the blues almost. He does a rendition of Green Sleeves on it that's really, really fucking good. Um, I, I love that record. And the other record that he did in the same period with the same band actually... um like a pared down version of the same band is called Olay Coltrane. And I also love that record a lot. The title track of Olay Coltrane was definitely the inspiration for Radiohead's pyramid pyramid song. Okay. Two really, really good records. And uh, yeah, whole package shit, whole package yeah. shit. Okay. So, and then compare that to somebody like, like Scott Walker, who has four really approachable. I, uh, I would say, um, to the band, comes in is pretty approachable too but, yeah, yeah but okay so those are five albums from scott walker who is like he's all i love scott walker first of all he's the great coolest, right yeah. really cool guy uh i wrote an article about him actually uh but it was a good article i really liked it yeah thank you um but there's also this later period which was completely defined by his increased sort of weird interest in experimental stuff and and like i don't know like like just wanting to make strange strange shit yeah i would say that like a, like something like bish bosh is at once like 
an avant-garde museum kind of record and also a parody of that kind of record and that's where i think yeah. it succeeds yeah so and that's the thing too is like for me that's what i've been thinking about too with with how like you talk about like art and stuff is like is it only meant to be like viewed once or listened to once because i only listened to soused once right you only listen to so- okay uh well, you know or i only listened to bish bosh once or tilt or whatever right i think uh i mean my favorite works of art I, I come back to again and again and again i mean i, I revisit i actually re, i listen to bish bosh all the time but like only sort of specific moments from right i only listen to specific songs but like yeah i mean like like no even if soused is a one-time experience brando is evergreen you'll always yeah that's always going to be a great song like the first minute of that album is the best minute of that album right um i don't know but i mean i definitely know i mean <laughs> hard to say but i've but that's the thing is like a lot of the movies that you seem to to really like and that you talk about a lot we watch whenever when we have like movie nights or like these movies that i probably wouldn't watch again hard to be a god specifically hard to be a god and like and like or like like souse like would you listen to souse all the way through again oh yeah you would yeah, I mean, um, there are some. There are actually, I think that Soust is one of the weaker of his later period records. I think it's a little uneven. I mean, I think that um, the stuff where he is trying to like sound big and scary, like especially with the band, like, like I don't like the moments on that record with drums. That's what I. That's what I could leave. You know, I'll take or leave that. You know what I mean? Okay. But um, Brando, Lullaby, and Herod, I'll always, I, I think, are like great pieces. Okay. Um. And also, I do have a respect for like just pop songs that are totally meant to be like listened to over and over and over again well, that, and revisited not, over and over. That's again. not exactly what I'm getting at, though. But it's like it's like making something that is to, like I don't know. I mean, something that discusses really weird taboo shit while also you want to come back to it over and over again. To me, it feels like the highest form of art that's why you like fat white family that's why i love fat white family that's why i love train spotting true um i'm trying I, that's why i love full metal jacket true um like all, lot, all good shit all yeah, great shit that's why i love naked lunch yeah right yeah. and like it's just like finding that like line between the two seems it is really i think that is like what marks to me a really really good artist but for but, me and and to me leaning into just complete esotericism and like it 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 gives way to this like like this like cult of of just people who don't think about it because it's like oh well and i'm not trying to attack you again here but like no i want to be attacked okay we watched (laughs) and we watched inland empire right we watched inland empire i love that right and well do you but that's the thing it's like people would say that too and they're like why do you love inland empire inland empire it's like it's like a nightmare version of hollywood it's like everything i know i know but like that's that's the thing though too is like when you ask somebody that they have this like pre-written formula in their head for how they respond that's not my pre-written formula okay but i think that sometimes that's that's how people respond to shit is like it's like there's this like they've come up with this reason to love something a lot and then like when you ask them about it you press them on it they say it and like it's like hard to kind of maneuver around that sometimes i would like a lot more shit if i was the kind of person that could just be convinced i liked it okay i guess that's fair thank you yeah i don't know man i just like i i i don't know because like i would never watch in the empire again <sighs> or never or, say never baby someday you're gonna be like you know what 
You know what? That scene where Terry Crews is just sitting next to a a woman while she's bleeding out on the street and another woman is telling a story about a woman whose vagina fell out. Yeah. You know, you might just be like, I got to see that again, man. Yeah. And that's, there are like little moments in that movie <laughs> that are really good and that are fun and stuff. But like, I would never, I just, I wouldn't want to watch it again. Probably. That's fair. Well, and okay. I, okay. I, I have a couple things to say in response to what you just said, actually. I yeah. mean, um, I think that I, like first I want to identify actually, I think like the biggest difference in our taste, which is that I, I don't personally think that provocation is like the highest thing, like the, the like highest achievement that art can aspire to. I think the provocation is like a tool. It's it's just one other way to achieve beauty, you know? Yeah, I don't think it's the highest thing either. But but you are definitely attracted to the stuff that is very willfully provocative. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I suppose in my own way I am too. I mean, like like Bish Bosch. I mean, you definitely are. You have Hieronymus Bosch right here. But, uh, and B- then you have you have Bish a big Bosch also book of you have a big book of uh Mark Fisher's K-Punk uh, is evergreen. Which is pretty provocative, I would say. Yeah, but again, I mean, I think with Bosch, I would say he used provocation as a tool. I mean, especially with Bosch is a great example because he well, was being provocative in the service of like actually like really like uh, like stern, um, like orthodox religious didacticism. Like he just wanted to teach you a lesson. He was just saying this is bad. But no, I mean, I think like, I think that we do both like very intentionally provocative stuff in our own ways. I mean, like Scott yeah. Walker is provocative yes. in a different way than Fat White Family, but they're both definitely willfully provocative artists who serve you like a big shit sandwich and like dare you to like it. You know what I mean? Come on. But, okay, wrong? but that's the thing. Okay, because I've listened to a lot of Scott Walker, but and I've listened to Fat White Family. God knows how much you're so you're so on them. I know. But how much have you listened to Fat White Family? I listened because I showed you one of the songs from from their most recent album, Layla, and You were like, "This is one of my favorite." This was like a few weeks ago. You were like, "This is one of my favorite songs." You showed me from them. I liked everything you've played for me about Fat White Family. I haven't gone that deep. I'll admit, I haven't gone that deep on them. Yeah, but but that's what I'm saying. And man. I feel like I'm. I you make. I feel like a shitty friend for not going deep no, on them because okay. I know you. I know you gave Attacker the old college try. I did. I was listening to Foil today. Foil is a good ass song. Yeah. Um. And I do, they do have cool album covers, actually. I was looking at the foil. I think that's a cool... I forget what it's called. I got Amber on vinyl. Yeah, yeah. Amber. Yeah, I'll, show that shit. I'll, I'll pull that shit out later. It's a cool album cover for everybody listening. But um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, because uh, there's... I, I do love using provocation as, like, a tool to, to get people to be like, well, I don't know. Because it makes you think about what what you value in, in art. But then also there's, like... a there's a lot of like fat white family songs that aren't provocative necessarily. Yeah. Well, and, well, and I'll, I'll say this also like on the note of provocation, there's a few different ways to try to involve the audience. And like you can usually tell almost straight away, which one an artist is like want to do yeah. Woody Allen, for instance, the reason that you like him and are emotionally involved when you watch his movies is because he makes you laugh. That's true. That's the classic male approach. Uh huh. That's how I've gotten this far. That's how I've gotten this far too, baby. <laughs> yeah. No, I go to a bar and I just, just start saying some fat white family ass shit. I just start doing my Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't say fat white family ass. <laughs> shit, I, I I avoid that. Most uh. Of that. Well, I'm, but I I think that like the three most popular forms uh that like come off the top of my head to me are like the method of like trying to make you laugh. Comedy is a great way to emotionally involve an audience. Yep. Uh, provocation is a great way to emotionally involve an audience. Yeah. Uh, even if it does create like a sort of antagonism, 
but like you know if you're if you're smart and if you are like confident and if you really do know what you're doing you can play off that yeah that's what that's what the artist that's what everyone we've been talking about does yeah, and th- but there's also there's movies that, for example, Full Metal Jacket's like one of my favorite movies, right? But it has it has aspects of all of what you just said, yeah, all winded. In, but also this this the emotional involvement they engage with it on an actual emotional level in the like you want you want Gomer Pyle to, to, to succeed. <laughs> you see Joker like putting his fucking neck out for him and trying to help him really do his best. Even though, and you see him like feel bad for this guy who is just getting the shit kicked out of him and just keeps fucking up over yeah. and over and over again. And you kind of want him to succeed. It's not even trying to provoke you. And then you have a character like a uh, war mother. Yeah. <laughs> who just is like saying the N word, who's doing horrible shit the entire time. But then when like another character gets shot, he like turns into this really somber, tragic figure who's like crying and like trying to. And like the way it plays off of all of those things is what like in combination. So I don't feel like it's, I don't feel like it's one, it's not just provocation. Like you can't make a good sci-fi movie unless you have some sort of emotional element or something else besides look at this cool universe. Well, no, I I think I I agree. I think art has to involve the audience. I was going to say that I think that the final method of like, involvement that i can think of that is the lowest method and also the most popular method right now off what we were talking about earlier is like the overshare is like i just yeah. told you all this shit about me now you have to like me yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah that's true and that's it's true. like i don't e- i like i mean like i tend to not like people who do that actually it's like i guess the comparison between like bo burnham and stanley kubrick or something uh, you know it's like yeah. you know kubrick is a master manipulator that's like the that's the constant across his entire career is that he plays everyone like a fucking fiddle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I am down to watch Barry Lyndon, which I know is a long movie, but Bro, I, I respect Kubrick enough to watch. Like I want to watch that. You'll movie. like I've okay. Barry Lyndon. I've watched with just like normal ass people and they've been like, dude, this is fucking good. Yeah. And so, okay. So I guess the other thing is like, can you take art by itself? Can you take a piece of art without involving another piece of art no no i well no and i like i i don't think that that's the way to do it i don't think that like i like i mean but don't you think it loses a little something when you when you say it's this but it's it's the but it's this but with this this is it's something that i kind of can't help doing anymore just i guess since i started reading the guys i read most specifically like eric hobbaum or something like guys who really sort of apply a historical method of analysis to art I think it's the most generous way to come to a work of art is to approach it as if it's in a vacuum. Uh, but I, I think that also at the same time, um, a work of art taken in a vacuum, uh, you can sort of like play word games around and like, I, like, what's the best way to explain this? It's like you watch a shitty ass movie and you don't know anything about movies. You know, you've never seen a movie before. It's the first movie you've ever seen in your life and it's fucking terrible. And you might even know somehow on some level that yeah. it's terrible. And then you talk to someone and they're like, no, it's actually so incredibly good. You know, it's like, it, like context is going to intrude at some point, you know, and yeah. if context intrudes in the wrong way, 
that's when you start playing these fucking word games about why something's good. Does though? Yeah, no, and that's that's why I especially in our little corner of the world, it often intrudes in the wrong way. Yeah, but that's I know there's probably a lot of people, a lot of people that we're probably friends with who are like Raging Bull's a masterpiece. Yeah, who would just say that because that's what they think to say about it? Because that's what they've read, or because what is that fucking guy's name? remember i remember riley and i met like a fr- my freshman year and he was or maybe it was my sophomore year because we were probably a little more comfortable with each other at this point but you were showing me some italian brain surgeon guy who writes like music reviews scruffy, scruffy. my gut my dude and i, I like him. blew up at riley at one point about it i think <laughs> I, that's what i remember anyway it was like i was like i can't believe you read this fucking idiot and and i was like really pissed off because he was like the Beatles contributed nothing really that important to <laughs> rock music and the kinks are a much superior band, which like, dude, have that argument all you want. But like, it was just like, it, it felt like this really strange, like, I, I don't, I, I feel like just not like, it's like the lack of emotional engagements on when I was reading a lot of that guy's reviews, it was just like, some would call it cynical and I would grant that it is a little cynical, but I think that a healthy amount of cynicism is a smart way to approach everything. I agree. I'm and, cynical. and what on one side of it may come off as cynicism may in the final analysis end up just being a sort of historically oriented way of looking at things. That's like, I, I like, I think that when you are working on your own to put things in context, uh, that's what makes it like, like that's how you actually develop your own theory of things and develop your own sort of like little universe of shit that you actually like. Yeah. I, I think that that's incumbent on artists. You know what I mean? Otherwise you're just gonna like, you're just gonna like be spoon fed shit by critics and influencers or something. Yeah. That's what you know? I'm saying, man. Yeah. That's uh, what I'm saying. Well, but like that is my argument against taking war work of art in a vacuum. I think that like you should be bringing bringing your own self and everything you know to a work of art every time. No, but like okay, so me in high school, I was like a little Fantano kid. Oh, weren't we all? I was. And everybody I was. was, but yeah. I was like, I would listen to an album and I'd be like, hmm, and then I'd watch it in a Fantano review, be like, oh, that was good. Yeah, because he gave it a seven or an eight or whatever. You know well, what I mean? Well, I mean, like, there's that there's that thing where, like, you know, someone that you think is smart encourages you to revisit something, and then all of a sudden you're like adding stuff to it that might not be there, may or may not be there. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I feel like most of the time, at least for me, was it was it's less that. Like a lot yeah. of the people I knew that were also on the similar wavelength of I'm reading Pitchfork reviews or I'm watching Anthony Fantano it was like, I listened to this album, I looked at his review. And I feel like it's good now. And I'm not going to tell yeah. you that. I would never tell you that. But <laughs> yeah. it is good now because he said it was good. And it's not because I revisited it and I had his comments in mind when I listened to the album. It's because he said it was good. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Like, who hasn't done that at some point in their life? I definitely have. But I feel um, like that that is so, so harmful. It's no, so it harmful is. to engaging with things seriously and or like in a, in a meaningful way for me. And that's what that's what it feels like with some of the long art movies you think i just like it because no I no like- no I, I don't think it i don't think so but i think that like somebody because i know you and i know that you just have like weird taste and shit that's all over the place and you appreciate a lot of different things it's eclectic but i think that somebody who doesn't know you or somebody who doesn't know what a thing is might take what you say at face value and be like yeah well that movie's good yeah you know what i mean you know what i mean i would i would the last thing i would want as 
even as someone who has published mu- music reviews and somewhat regrets doing so, yeah, I've the last it. thing that I would want anyone to think about me is that I'm like trying to be an authority on anything. <laughs> no, no, I get it, I get it. Just, uh, yeah, you know, it's just, uh, it's interesting to talk about. Yeah, I just re- dude, how long? How long are we at right now? We're we we should go for a while longer. A while longer. Keep the grilling going. Because honestly, this is actually one of the. Are you enjoying fucking- it? Am I being too mean? No. Okay, good. I, dude, I'm really fucking enjoying this conversation. Okay. Actually, this is some good shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because no, because like we were just talking about it, and I was thinking, like, because I was listening to Autecker today, and I was like, I need to get Riley to listen to my shit, like. I was like, I need to Riley to listen to Fat Wife. Family. Like, I'm a fucking idiot. I'm Riley, sitting here listening to this bullshit. Riley needs to listen to Cluster. <laughs> Riley needs to watch watch movies that I've watched. Hey, dude, you know what? Uh, you picked the movie most recently, Sunshine. Yeah, and that was yeah. Well, okay. I actually want to ask you about that too. What were your honest thoughts about that movie? No, I, I told you my honest thoughts. I really fucking enjoyed it. I do think, and I'm doing exactly what you said. So sorry, but I do think it is very downstream from Solaris, which I'm trying to watch with you. Yeah, I am trying to watch Solaris too. That actually probably was the start of of the grilling. Honestly, yeah, you were like, mm. I was like, hmm, <laughs> is it really Solaris? bro you'll find out well no because i know the i know the concept of solaris but that's the thing too it's just like they are there there's i guess you're right it's hard to engage something because every nothing exists in a vacuum especially in like movies or music or whatever you're writing yeah. whatever, whatever you're doing um but they are completely different experiences. Well, and okay, and also like the the other argument I'll make against taking a work of art in a vacuum is that the artist themselves, uh, whoever like who takes the who actually creates in a vacuum. No, and I don't think that you should only take things in a vacuum. But I think there is something really beautiful and honest about like Raging Bull. I just saw it on Amazon Prime, yeah. and I was like, I'm gonna watch a movie. I'm gonna watch Raging Bull. No, uh, yeah, I, okay. That and, and then I it wasn't because yeah. I had talked to my dad who loves Martin Scorsese or because uh, I talked you know I looked online at yeah. hey what Scorsese movie should I watch what's a good movie with Robert De Niro in it from the 80s that's around after hours you know what I mean like yeah. I just was like let me try this tried it didn't like it and I feel like that is honest and I'm gonna probably have conversations with people about it or you know talk to somebody about it and my problem, my problem, my dad asked what he thought of it and then, and then kind of go from there, but, and like, see what their opinion on it is. But I feel like we lose the, the, the base, like really like visceral, emotional and sort of even not even necessarily emotional. Like it's cause it's operating on all levels when you're watching yeah, yeah, a movie yeah, or yeah. something or reading a book or listening to music. It's like, how you react initially is feels the most honest to me. No, I, I agree. And let me qualify what I was saying about like taking work of art in the va- in a vacuum. I don't mean that like you should like, I, I, I think it's lame as fuck to be like, let me research this movie, then watch it or something. You yeah. Know, like I do think that like, like, I mean like it's just on some level, it's like good manners. It's good for you and good for the art. If you just like approach it, as a blank slate with an open mind. I don't mean taking it in a vacuum. I don't mean that like as you're watching it, you shouldn't be forming associations and trying to put it in context, but it is something that like, you know, out of like, if anything, just pure fucking sportsmanship, you should be doing on your feet. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like fucking cheating to be like, you know, to like watch a movie and hit up Google and then be like, well, obviously this movie was inspired by. I agree. I completely agree. I think like, I think that like the act of like forming your own taste really should be something that you were trying to do on your own. And I think that like a fundamental part of that is like, taking a work of art like 
whatever this means to you like without spoiling it for yourself in some way shape or form you know yeah yeah and it's like but it's like a balance yeah you can you can like so i'm reading the uncensored picture of dorian gray right now and i just bought confessions of a mask uh by machine you're just riley you're gonna come out as gay when you finish these two books man yeah man super gay books uh both incredible really come on really good so far and the 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 but anyway dorian gray has like a the one that i got uh has a 50 to 60 page uh introduction about the text about well the first part's about oscar wilde and the second part and the second part of the introduction's about the text itself and how it was edited and how publishers changed it or didn't change it or you know how uh different magazines back then uh took it and talked about it yeah and that intro to me felt like really good because it didn't give away anything about the art itself they just talked about what led up to its release briefly about how how it was received there's nothing worse than when you like open up a like a book that you're like so hyped about and it's got an, like a, a forward or an introduction yeah and the first sentence is like when leopold bloom kills god in the famous final yeah, scene of ulysses exactly just like, god damn it yeah no exactly that's what i'm saying it's like that intro felt good just because it didn't actually say anything like that, right? Yeah. But I also feel like those kinds of intros like are too they especially in our like sphere of like I don't know whatever you want to call it like somebody watches a movie and it's like oh you have to watch it because XYZ happens and it's going to be fucking crazy and it's like Yeah, fuck that. It's feel like it ru- it does it ruins an aspect of it in the same way that like you're prepped to like something. I think that that's also a function specific, like it's sort of a medium by medium thing. I think that one of the biggest things that has held back film in America from becoming a serious art form is that we like whether or not we're all going to advance these arguments about whether movies are art or not. And any, you ask anyone who like, well, thinks it's, not, it's, not. it's art, but, th- but like when someone like watches a movie and then comes back and tells their friends like, Oh dude, these fucking explosions were sick. Like that's not how, like, that's not how you would recommend someone a book by a famous author. It's like if I was recommending you a book by James Joyce, I wouldn't be be telling you like, oh shit, well this happens, this happens, this happens. It's like, right. dude, like there's an artist that like yeah. we trust to make a good work of art. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that is somewhat lacking in film. You know what I mean? There are a few names where it's like I'd watch anything from them. Mm-hmm. You know, but like across the board, you know, right? Am I well? Like, so did you mean like trailers? Like there needs to be a trailer? Well, yeah, and that that shit is bullshit. Like I, I, I don't even know why people like. I, don't, I mean, I get why those exist purely for marketing purposes, but it's like the way that like that shit gets conflated with the movie and gets so wrapped up in like what people think of the movie is like hilarious to me. It's like if you're really leaving this work to posterity, it's like what I'm not going to fucking judge uh, like a movie from the 50s based off of a billboard of the movie from the 50s. Right. I'm not going to judge Ulysses based off of like the New York Times review of it from 1922. You know, it's like in like those two things are also both like serve the same functions that trailers serve now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Critics love. Yeah. And I guess, well, we, we've derailed from what we were talking about a little bit, but I think it is interesting. The, the, like the John Waters, pink flamingos trailer. Oh yeah. Well that, that shit is dope. Yeah. And I feel like that might be an, that's a big exception to me is yeah. like, I don't know if you, you know, and maybe some of you, everybody, some of you people that are listening have seen the, the, the trailer. I'd recommend checking it out. It's like a minute and it's just, it was just uh, a little camera crew outside of a showing of Pink Flamingos 
asking people what they thought and it's a bunch of like weird looking dudes and and women just being like it was fabulous or it was disgusting or it was disgustingly fabulous what does that one guy say he's like i think john waters got his finger on the pulse of america that is to say he's got his finger in the ass of america yeah (laughs) Yeah, i mean his fingers up his ass beautiful (laughs) fucking beautiful that's like that yeah perfectly it's perfect you know and that's what i'm saying dude it's like it's there's like uh that's an example where that where that works. Do you know what I'm realizing? Too much away. And like you know what I'm really like, dude. Like the best way to talk about aesthetics is to argue about aesthetics. We should be arguing more on the pod. Yeah. This you're is you're enjoying this. <laughs> like, dude, when we're just like, yes, hell yeah, man. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. It's good. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. R- rhetoric is pointless unless you feel like you have something to like defend or something to prove. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think my the point that the uh, the overarching point that I'm making is that I'm, I'm a pretentious piece of shit. No, no, no. Kill Riley or <laughs> Murder. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. No, I'm sorry. No, like I think that the most impressive form of art to me is art that can bridge those two worlds of this is like you know, seven hour Satan Tango and then uh hour and a half uh like marvel movie you know what i mean yeah so that can bridge the and i guess and i i mean that just in the way that marvel movies make this overarching appeal to people and like anybody could just watch one and understand it pop yeah but it's pop also feels like calling things pop also just i mean just sits bad with me that would be a perp like a me thing but like it is yeah i guess it is pop like like the way that uh train spotting was turned into like a pop movie i guess i don't i yeah. don't consider it really a pop movie though just because the the but i guess it is i mean it's extremely popular well audiences in, in in very specific contexts if if they know at the end of the day that it's ultimately going to be safe in some way they're very attracted to the lurid shit you know what i mean like gross yeah. crazy shit you know um, yeah but i don't think that that movie's safe yeah, I, but like I think that like just to the extent that like it was produced by the major studio system and was like, you know, distributed internationally and stuff. It's like I don't mean that like the content of the movie is safe, but there are all these sort of unconscious ways that audiences might be given to trusting that a movie might not offend their sensibilities too much, even if they think it's going to be crazy. Like this is like Lady Chatterley's Lover, where it's like it gets banned as obscene that makes everyone want to read it. Then it gets widely distributed. It's yeah. like, you know, there's a sort of this dialectical process, but it was transporting. Wasn't widely distributed. Wait, really? Not, not at, not at its start. It was, was it the career maker for Danny Boyle? Yeah. Oh no shit. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah I'm just that was the in. big one. It was yeah. like shallow grave came before. I think that that was Danny Boyle, but yeah. this was this main one and it was the first big movie for Irvine Welsh. Yeah. Who, I don't know if you've I don't know if you've read anything from him. I know you have. Right? I yeah. I love Irvine Welsh a lot. I mean, I like some of his older stuff. His newer stuff is kind of not that great, but yeah, like um, he's kind of turned into a Ricky Gervais character, like uh, just always talking about outrage culture or whatever, and yeah. which is kind of tired at some point sometimes. But um, like that was Irvine Welsh's first real movie. Yeah, and they they like there's like the scene of the baby. Uh, just dying yeah like just because it, it got like some toxic it is asphyxiated just yeah like died the baby on the ceiling yeah the baby on the ceiling or like the really intense shots of just needles going into veins or people like there's a lot of scenes in that movie that were cut out that were actually pre- like they were like it was too much like one of the characters loses his leg also i'm not gonna without saying anything or spoiling anything you are going to find out very soon if you stick with gravity's rainbow that one of the most famous scenes 
in train spotting was a direct like quote of one of the best scenes in gravity's rainbow you'll see okay just we'll saying s- we'll see just yeah saying. i you'll guess see. we'll see i haven't i haven't gotten that far in that book yet you're you're already close to what i'm talking about really yeah okay you'll see how close am i you'll see okay <laughs> i'll just say it involves um a trip to the head oh nice yeah. okay cool that's cool yeah there's some depth charges involved oh yeah nice only uh gravity's rainbow instead of a instead of a pill you shove up your ass uh chasing after harmonica that was up that was up somebody's ass isn't the pill that he's going after a pill he was gonna put in his ass he put it up his ass uh, and then he and then because he was off heroin for a few days he needed to shit and so he went to the worst toilet in scotland and then shit all of it out that's right that's right yeah and then he swims in the shit yeah, yeah. no that's that's all in gravity's rainbow yeah. yeah okay yeah well i could see that that's i could see that uh that connection there for sure yeah well anyways uh we've got like some pressing concerns uh this episode is supposed to be called the reckoning of riley but really the true title is pod before bowl we're about to go bowling yeah we're about to go bowling we gotta get ready yeah um so if you don't feel like you have any more you know shots to fire across the bow maybe uh no I think I, I think I shot myself out. We could continue this conversation. The yeah. Next, the next one too. Well, this maybe is we'll good do a part shit. two. And we'll get some more people on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A full panel. <laughs> the roast of Riley. Yeah. Not even a roast. Just a. My Nuremberg. Just, yeah. Your Nuremberg. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. All right.